Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning. Welcome to the American Association of Blind Teachers, or AABT, our Saturday school. And we're so excited for our first program of the convention. I'd first like to thank ACB Media for all of the support and help and our host, Randy, um, who will be muting and unmuting people and, and calling on you if you have questions. I want to give you just a moment to find something to write with if you need CEUs, because I'm only allowed to give you the starting code once, well, at the start of the hour, and then the ending code at the end. So grab something, as I know it might be a little early and you might not have thought of that. Um, but um, we, we have an exciting program this morning. And so I will give you that code. That is 87192. Um, again, the code is 87192. So um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm Tabitha Brecky. I'm the president of AABT, and um, we had our elections recently. So if you're a member, do check our um, newsletter to get all the information about who our new board members are. And um, they are, our new board members are Tanika East, and uh, Stephen Salas is our student representative, and Sharon Clark, and Connie Bateman. And then the officers we also elected, and we're pretty much the same, except uh, with one exception. So that's, um, I'm the president. Suzanne Ament is our first vice president. Carla Hayes is our second vice president. Donna Brown continues as treasurer. And then Gudrun Bruno will be our secretary and so I just want to thank Gary Legates for doing such a great job of, of taking minutes and, and just being so good and faithful and doing a great job these last couple of years. So um, I hope you'll join us for our other programs. They are listed in the, in the guide today. So we have one coming up right after this one. And also just to remind you about our Touch of Class team for the, the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. Um, those are also things that we hope you'll participate in and join us for our programming as it continues. I'm going to pass things to Gary Legate so he can introduce our speaker because we, we want to hear what she has to say. It's really, I think it'll be good. Yes, thank you. Um, when I realized we were going to do this with Zoom and I realized that we have a kind of an entertaining program at the beginning of our sessions, I couldn't wait to get Chris Ball on this program because I thought there was no one any better to be on a program like this. And I, I believe that Chris has several qualities that really um, make her uh, an outstanding model for any of us who are teachers. These are qualities that she has that we would look for in a teacher today. And uh, so I think I would like to kind of go over those. Then you'll see them as Chris speaks to you, I'm sure. I think the first quality, uh, first of all, she was my fifth grade teacher back in 1962. And uh, so uh, I got to know her quite well that year. 
And I think the first quality I saw in her was a quality of caring. And I mean caring beyond getting a paycheck. I mean caring beyond nine to five. Um, she really seemed to think about us, care about us, be concerned with us, and want us to do our best all the time. And there's no better example of that than the fact that uh, that year was our first year of having nighttime study hall. This was at Maryland School for the Blind. And that year we had nighttime study hall for the first time. We didn't know anything about doing a lot of homework or doing assignments. It was all new to us. And she knew that. So when we would go into study hall, on each of our desks would be a Braille sheet of paper listing our assignments. But at the bottom of all those papers, she would write a personal note to each of her students. And she had about 11 students in that class. And so that meant she had to write 11 personal notes. And they were always fun, and they were always upbeat, and they were always encouraging. And they were a lot like a coach might give to a sports player. And my wife and I, my wife was also in that class. We both still think back about that. And it was exciting to go into study hall before you start all that hard work, look at a note from your teacher. and really was encouraging. So I think that's just one example of how she cared. She cared also because she knew us all. She knew, for example, very right from the very get-go that I was kind of sloughing off. I didn't care that much about school. I cared about Boy Scouts and playing the guitar and listening to good talking books and listening to records. And I just was cruising on through. She knew that. And she said, it's not going to happen. And then she got my mother in on it. And those two got with me and made sure that I didn't goof around and that I really did my work. So I worked pretty hard that year because of that. But she knew that. And uh, she wanted us all to be our best. And she was a person that you could always go and talk to and discuss things with. And that was a great thing. The second thing she had was the ability to teach. She knew how to teach and she knew how to get facts across. She also knew when to use teachable moments. Um, for example, I think my favorite class that she taught us that year was our social studies class where we learned American history. And she, um, uh, it was a history class from the Revolutionary War up to the present. And at the very beginning of that class, she made us stop and discuss in the class what freedom meant. And she then uh, had us write an essay based on our discussion in class on what freedom was. And it really made me at least think about what is freedom. It's not just doing what you want, but it's being responsible. And years later, when I took a graduate class in trans and American thought, I used some of those thoughts, believe it or not, that we had thought about in her class to kind of help me uh, get my thoughts together uh, when I had to write an essay on the American dream. And the last quality she has is one that, that we blind people don't all have. I don't have it. And that is the quality of diversity. Uh, I was perfectly happy to teach in the same classroom for 30 years, teach the same subjects, for 30 years. I loved that. It was security. It was great. Chris Paul never did that. Just in the time I knew her, she taught first grade, fifth grade, fourth grade, and ungraded. And then after I left, I think she taught almost anything else you can think of, Braille and skills of daily living and all that stuff. And I'm sure she'll she'll talk to you about some of that as, as we do the presentation. But I would like right now, it gives me tremendous honor to present my teacher, my fellow alumna, my colleague, and my friend, Chris Ball. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have to get myself together. 
You always could put me in a spot where I had to figure out what I was going to say to you, Gary. Thank <laughs> you for those very nice comments. I um, can hardly believe it. Uh, that yeah, fifth grade you were in. That that's right. That's a long time ago. Oh my gracious! Thank you for your wonderful comments. I'll put them away and uh, think about them later <laughs> when I'm more serene. <laughs> it's uh, I'm used to talking. I talk a lot and I make talks now and again. And uh, I am not um, uh, this morning. I'm just not real serene, but I'm very excited because I'm talking to some people. Well, first of all, um, maybe about, let me introduce myself. I have this written, so I know what to do here. And then I want to comment to you folks who may be listening to this um, talk. Uh, my name is Chris Ball. I am 87 years old. I taught for 41 years. I'm a Baltimorean. We lived in Baltimore City until... Um, about 19 years ago when we moved out here to this residence where we live. It's an Erickson residence, um, Oak, Oak Crest. Um, we, I was born in Baltimore. I'm from a family, a wonderful family. We had wonderful parents. Neither one of them had had anything to do with blindness before my brother and I were born. There are three of us in the family. Um, I, I'm the oldest, and they never let me forget it. Uh, I am, um, then second came my sister. She had normal vision and then came my brother and he had congenital glaucoma as did I. And we don't, I don't think we quite know even now where it came from. I have, have a little bit of sight. I can see light and colors when it's very close to me and objects, but of course I can't tell what they are and sometimes I don't see them. So the the, the sight is, is of assistance and it's helpful, but I had to also get myself together to pick up all the other clues that we often have to use um, to get around and to do. Um, I attended Maryland School, School for the Blind, excuse me, and so did my brother. Um, our sister went to regular school. She was a regular kid. <laughs> we, and um, sometimes I think that was a hard role in our family. Two blind siblings and one fully sighted. Um, we were away from home because we went to residential school. Um, I think it was a little tough for her sometimes. And uh, I think about that quite often now. Uh, not that we made it tough. But I just think it must, must be very hard. You're the only, like the normal one, so to speak. And uh, she was at home quite often and so forth. Well, she had a wonderful life. I'm very happy for her. And I love her. And we're definitely in touch, so it's fine. But uh, um, Duke and I attended the Maryland School for the Blind. Um, uh, he finished his high school in public high school. I finished my high school at MSB, but I did go to public high school for part of a day each day. So we had exposure to both. Um, I attended Towson University uh, and also George Peabody College for Teachers, and that's where I got my training to go into special education and um, the field of the blind. Um, although I had lived it, you sometimes have to go and learn more about it, <laughs> which is good. Um, and then I taught for 41 years. I've taught in the Arkansas School for the Blind. I loved it down there in the south. I love the southern accents, except 
their accents are a little bit different <laughs> from some of the other southern accents but i i uh, i loved it down in arkansas they were wonderful to me and that was the beginning of my teaching career and i was very blessed to be there taught at the maryland school for the blind for uh, two sections of time and i also um worked for about a year in Baltimore City Public Schools in uh, a, a where I was working with the blind students in that school. So I have never had the experience of teaching public school students, and um, I'm a great admirer <laughs> of folks who do that. Um, Gary, I know, is one who did, and I'm sure there are some of you in this group with whom I'm speaking who have taught in public school too. And I have to say, one, I admire you for your courage to do so. Two, I admire you for your get up and go to, to, to stick with it and to, uh, I'm, I'm hoping you enjoyed it, uh, but I, I, I'm a great admirer of people who've taught in public school. And especially now, I don't know a lot about what's going on now in public schools, but Things worry me, so I'm hoping for you and praying for you, those of you who teach in public schools. Oh, I'll pray for the rest of us, too, <laughs> but I think that's a real stuff, tough job, and I have great admiration for folks who do it. That's probably enough of my history. I don't think we need any more of that, so I'll turn to another page. Um, let's see. How about this? Um I would like to comment that um, I thought this pan pandemic and all the uproar for the last year must have been very hard on teachers and on students. And I thought about that quite a bit. Of course, I'm not teaching now at all, but I heard a lot of stories and I, uh, of the public school situations, and I thought very much about our, our kids the visually impaired kids. And I thought about you folks, though I don't know each of you at all. Um, a few of you, yes, but not, not each of you at all. And I, and I thought about you, and I wondered how you were doing and how you felt. And I had plenty of time to wonder, because living here as we do at this wonderful continuing care community, they were really on it about quarantining. So we were not wandering around the buildings. We ate in our apartments. We did everything. There were no group activities. We were really quarantined. And um, <clears throat> that gives you a lot of time to worry, but it gives you a lot of time to think. And I did think very often about our children and the education they weren't or were getting. And I just hope for you, do you know what you're going to do this fall, you folks who are teachers? Do you know, have they given you good guidance as to where, to, where you're going to start and what you're going to do? I'll be thinking about you again, and I sure as goodness will pray for you. I was very glad I wasn't teaching at this time, I have to say. I was really, really glad I wasn't teaching. I don't know, I don't know how I would have done not much less the kids, but I just don't know how I would have done. Um, maybe someday I'll meet some of you and you can tell me about your experiences because I would have been very interested in that. I have a little paragraph I'm going to read here now. Um, we're changing from history and the pandemic to this one little topic. I do not like to get into debates about public school versus residential schools. 
both kinds of programs can be very good. Where that they are needed for children, they should be placed. I, I really feel, even if you're sometimes in a residential school and then you go to the public school, I think what I think what should be going on is finding the best program there is for the child being considered and then placing them there, but keeping tabs on it through the IEPs and whatever they use today, um, keeping tabs on it. So if something isn't good anymore or something new needs to be done, that maybe they would have to change schools or change programs. So I, I can't get into a debate about residential schools again and public because I had good experiences in both, and I loved our residential school experience at the Maryland School for the Blind. They did a, a wonderful job with us, I feel. Um, but I know some public school programs that I, I know about that are really terrific. So I think the goal should be match the student and the need with what is available and find the best available. And uh, that, that's, that's really just flat out how I feel. Of course, I'm not teaching now. And there's so much I don't know about the teaching uh, today. I can't imagine what it's like, um, especially after this year. But, I mean, even before that, there's so many new modern things and how wonderful education is. I'm just so glad that, that, that it's, it's doing what it's doing. And I just hope that our kids are, and I still say our kids, <laughs> I, I, though I don't teach, uh, I just hope that what they're getting is is um, is good and will help them grow to be as normal as you can be, as a person can be, to be as well-educated as possible. And, of course, there are some with a lot of multi-disabilities, multi and those are, those are harder children to get to know and to work with, but they need good programs, too. I'm just so much into um, the upper echelons working with teachers so that teachers can do their best and do what they what they love to do and then do it well. Uh, so I got off on that tirade there, but that's really what I think. Um, I was interested in what Gary said um, about me. Um, I have some things that I think um, teachers should think about uh, and and be uh, when they work uh, with our children particularly. Um, it was hard at first when I was going to, I was thinking about what kind of advice am I, what kind of advice maybe will I give um, or try to give <laughs> anyway. And I thought, I don't know enough about the new books that are out, the new equipment that is out, because I haven't been teaching for quite a while. And then I thought, but books and equipment aren't all. There are several other things that I think we should think about. First is, these are just a few thoughts. I think that um, we should have respect in general for people, and in particular, for our children. A respect for them, a respect about them. Um, I, I, I 
never thought of it until, well, now since Gary made a comment, I would have thought of it too. But I had a lady who worked with me, and she was an instructional assistant. And she said to me one day, you know, it it interests me because you seem to respect the kids, and I never thought about doing that. I was like, well, (laughs) you know, I love them, and they're young people, and they they need to know, and they need to learn. And then I... And then when I was working on this paper, I thought, well, maybe that is a good point to put it that way, to respect them. Now, truly, you're going to have some hard times. <laughs> there were a few kids that I would like to have, um, well, rearranged a little bit. <clears throat> but you, you, we, first of all, they need our respect, so we'll do our best for them. So I think it's real important and that we respect people as people. And and also it's very difficult sometimes with working with children because of the families. And I'm not going to get into comments about families here, but that can be a most difficult situation. And uh, I had, the second year I went back to Arkansas, I had a um, mother come by my classroom and say, oh, you're still here? We thought you were going to leave after last year. Well, I couldn't decide whether she was hoping I would have left, or she was glad I didn't, and I did not pursue it. I was a chicken. I just let it go. But um, it, we, we do have families to deal with, so we have to become diplomatic, but we should also be honest, um, thoughtful. Why are you really saying this about the student to the parent? And maybe the parent can help you and you can help each other. There are lots of ways to look at it. But we really need to be have respect in our being for other beings and also for our little children. Well, and some of them get big in high school and then they're not so little. <laughs> and that's hard, too. I don't know whether I would do too well teaching high school. <laughs> Um, another thing is we should be ready at all times to educate people about blindness. We're educating the public, those who teach with us, families, and our children. And so some mornings, do you ever get up in the morning and say to yourself, I wish for one day I didn't have to explain blindness to anybody? I wish for one day I could just go through everything smooth as silk and it would be fine. I've had a few of those, especially (laughs) if some things were rough in my job or something like that. I get home and I would go, I just, I just don't want to talk about this for a while. I want to be, I want to go read a book. I want to go to work tomorrow and not have to worry about this. So my question just is, you know, or my comment just is we are educators of our children, and of the rest of the world about blindness. Now, you don't have to carry it around with you all the time. Well, let me teach you this. It's not that way. It's just an innate feeling of knowing what to do and dropping the right words to support someone who needs your support. So that's the second thing. I think you need a good sense of humor. You really do. Uh, I have a couple of these I'll refer to. I made a talk recently to part of this organization, and I may be repeating these stories. And um, I'm sorry if I am, but they <laughs> that's where we are. 
I had a little boy one time, and his he was so cute, and he was redheaded down in Arkansas. I loved him to death, and um, as I did all my kids. But anyway, he came into class one day with a car, and uh, in his hand, little car, and he's around the room. And so I said, Dennis, please find your seat, dear. No, I think his name was George, or whatever it was. Please find your seat, dear. He continued walking around the room. I was, I said, "Um, you need to find your desk. We're all waiting to read. Up and down the aisles and all around the room. Well, this happened four times I spoke to him. And finally, like I was trying, and I said, Dennis, park it. And he went, and walked right to his desk and sat down. (laughs) Oh, I was like, holy cow. And then then you can't laugh, though, because um, they don't need to hear that. I had another situation where a boy told me because he had interrupted a, a small conversation in the doorway of our class between our principal and me. And it was just the two of us talking, and he came in and had a few things to say. And I said, excuse me, um, I'd like you to go sit down. And he made a few more comments and left. And I went over afterwards, and I said, I'd like to talk with you a little bit about knowing when to talk. I said, it's very important when two people are talking not to burst in like that. And I said, I think I'm going to borrow five minutes of your talking time right now for you to think about what, what I mean by that. And he said, you are taking away my right of free speech. And I was like, what history class have you been in? Well, I couldn't smile because he had vision. And it was like, I I was like, oh my gosh. But he did sit for five minutes and he did not interrupt the next two or three times we had an incident. But I, I, he was so funny and I just, he was a nice kid, but just your, when I was into, you know, breaking into his right of free speech, I'm not sure about that. Uh, Let me see. Another story or two, just another. Oh, I had a little boy in first grade. He was so cute, very bright, first grade. He's sitting there, and I said, okay, we're taking a spelling test now. And <clears throat> remember, please, I'll give you the word, use it in a sentence, and then you write the word. That was fine. So we're going along, and I said, picture. I have taken a picture of my friend. Picture. And he goes, well, I know how to spell pick, but how do you spell chore? T-U-R-E? <sighs> I said, this is a test. <laughs> we are taking a spelling test. Uh, please um, don't talk about the words. Well, he never did it again, and I didn't want to get after him. And then I couldn't laugh. You can't see those things are there for you, and they make you they they relate, relax your day, they relieve your day. But you really can't laugh at all of them because sometimes it involves discipline. A little girl one day was talking and talking, and I told her, she was small, she was eight, and I told her, um, honey, you got to quiet down. Well, that didn't do any good. Honey, quiet down sometimes does do good. And he said, and and so I said to her, I I think I'm going to move you from your desk and have you come over and stand in this corner for just about two minutes so you'll unwind yourself and so you'll be quieted down. She said, how many corners does this room have? I thought, 
That is an interesting question. <laughs> Are you afraid she'll be put into one, each one one at a time? And I just said, it has four, but you only have to know about one. And she quieted down and she was doing fine. So that was good. So you see, I mean, you go along. And of course, I think a good sense of humor in life is really helpful, too. Because there are lots of things that happen, and, and they can be delightful, they can be funny. But I think a sense of humor saves us from just saying, I hate this, and I don't want to do this anymore. And I think it does. I wonder, there's one more here. Oh, also I put with that, having a good sense of humor, uh, a feeling of awareness. Um, we should be aware of a lot that's going on, and, and I... We had a little problem in my class because a precious little girl's baby brother was born and lived a short time and died. And she came back to school after an appropriate time or so. And we were sitting in class, and I think there were about 11 or 12 kids in that class, and it happened to be a first-grade group, and uh, they were wonderful. Oh, my gosh. But this little boy said, Miss, Miss Ball, what does it mean when, say, Patty's brother died? Okay, now <laughs> you're standing there, and I know my concept of what it is and what I was taught. But when you're up in front of a room with a question like that, to me it came to mind, what did all these other kids hear up to this point? What do their parents – now I'm standing here. This is peace waiting for the answer, and my head's going, what did the parents want you to say about died? I mean, I, I don't know. And I was all upset. And the little girl said, oh, well, I can tell you, he was born and he came home from the hospital and God wanted him in. He took him to heaven. And the boy said, oh, okay. I was very touched, but I was very relieved. But it is funny. Sometimes the kids can help the other kids, whether they're blind or sighted, with answers and we do well to stand aside and wait. And there's some awareness there that we just need to have. Okay, now we talked about um, being ready to educate, and we talked about having a good sense of humor and being aware. I have my papers here with my notes. I was going to try to read this, and I thought, no, I'm just going to talk it. It's better. Um, I think it's important for us all teachers, to have respect for rules and regulations. Now, that doesn't mean you like what your supervisors are doing. Um, that doesn't mean you agree with them. Uh, but I think we have to be careful how we talk about rules and regulations that are made for us because children are having rules and regulations made for them all the time by us as teachers in the room. You will stand, please, and then do so-and-so. Please come in quietly and wait. Please push your chair in. Please, you know, well, these are simple things, but it's all, it's all a kind of regulation and rules. And I think we, as teachers, really need to have a respect for it. Now, this respect should give us an opportunity to talk to people about regulations that we question and new rules and stuff. So I'm not saying we shouldn't disagree with the rules of our bosses or the rules of certain of things that we're connected with. But I think we have to handle things with respect to help the kids handle the things with respect that we give them. I mean, you know, it's one thing to say, well, he, well, he complained about it. Well, 
don't complain about it. Not in the, not now. You can constructively. Kids also need to be construct to learn con, to be constructive about their criticisms. But my main emphasis here is just the idea of um, re, re, respecting rules and regulations and helping our students to do so. Um, I think also it is very good to take your vacations. When I first started teaching, I remember worrying about whether people would think anything about it if I was enthused about my vacations. Well, that is ridiculous. But, you know, you sometimes go into something so conscientious, and that's not good either. <laughs> but I do really believe that uh, we need vacation time. If you, if Now, with the economy and the world the way it is right now, that's very difficult because sometimes people have to get summer jobs or they have to teach somewhere in the summer or they have, I, you know, I don't know about the individual things, but I know that's true. But, but you're a teacher and you work hard all year. You need some time off to read a book, to take a trip, to take walks every day, to get into an exercise program. I don't know what, but whatever you enjoy. And if going away a little bit, you enjoy, do it. If you possibly can, just try real hard to take some time off. On time that's off, of course, in summer or, or a holiday or something. But take your vacations. And, and sometimes a vacation might just be staying home and reading a good book. That's a good vacation. And sometimes it might be going to the beach and swimming and, and, and boat riding and all that. That's a good vacation. But be sure you take a vacation. Uh, I do think what Gary said about the fact that I care about the kids, caring about the children is so important. Uh, helping their morale by leaving notes on the bottom of the paper or saying hi to somebody whose dog is sick and they're worried about it and they had to, you know, and they, he's home with my mom, but I, I, he misses me. And, you know, all these wonderful things. Help them and share them with them. It's wonderful. And then one thing else is, I might say, do you like your job? Do you love your job? If you really have qualms about your job, maybe you should step back and look. Because I think in working with children, they need to know that the person who's with them, filling them with education, <laughs> filling them with reading, filling them with assignments, likes them, loves them. And you gotta like your job or love it too, the job itself. And if you don't, Oh, don't try to prove that you can do the work that way because it's so hard. It's really hard, and then it isn't really you. So my last uh, thing is that I hope you love your job. I hope you like it real well. You might even love it. I hope you love your job. I always liked my teaching. Now, that doesn't mean there weren't bad days. Oh, good. No, I can remember one morning I had a new student who had epileptic seizures, and they said, you know, and he, I had never had him before, nor had I ever had a child in the classroom who had a seizure. We were in class 25 minutes, and he had a seizure. I was like, 
oh my goodness, dear Lord, give me patience. And it wasn't his fault, nothing like that. But I mean, but he was such a nice kid and I loved him. So you got to love your people or like them very well because we do our best when there's that kind of relationship. Now, I have no idea what time it is. <laughs> Gary, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am, I can. What time is it? It's uh, 1036. So why don't we... That's uh, all right. I could stop. I'm through. I came to the end, and then I thought, oh, maybe I should have more. And I thought, no, let's just see what Gary... And, well, what, uh, I, what I thought we could yeah. do is have people ask some questions, and I, I will ask you a question if you don't mind, and then we can open it up. But you... Uh, you changed careers several times. You uh, went to public school to teach for a while, and you came back to Maryland School for the Blind, and you taught a lot of different subjects at Maryland School for the Blind. Can you tell us a little bit about why and how you felt about those changes and what Well, I, I, I can tell you that most of the time it was because I was asked to move to a different subject. I can remember I can remember one thing though that was very interesting to me. I worked in the uh, primary department for two years, two or three, I can't remember, uh, over in, in what is called the Bledsoe Building at the School for the Blind. And then the, my boss, Ms. Cox, asked me if I would, I want, she said she wanted to change me, to transfer me to mid-elementary and uh, to have uh, fifth grade. Well, at first, I really, I really didn't want to do that, but I would never tell her no because she usually had good ideas and knew what to do. And I said, well, okay, but I just am not real excited about this. Well, that's the year I had Gary's class, and that was a most wonderful experience for me. So, uh, that was I was enough this- to dampen your spirits right there. <laughs> Think, I don't think it dampened the spirits a bit. I would like to tell another little story right here. Uh, in that class, in Gary's class, there were, I think, at least 10 people, 10 guys yeah. and gals, nice, wonderful kids. And I had this one girl. Now, wait a minute. Maybe she wasn't in your class. Nope. No, she was not in your class. Joanne Cusick was not in your class. She was correct? one year ahead of me. Of you. All right. Uh, I had another grade in mid-elementary, uh, another year, and uh, there was a girl in that class named Joanne. Now, that class was a very bright class, and Gary's class was a very bright class. It was uh, They were gifts to me, believe me, although I love working with lower-functioning kids because they need a lot of love and help and push. And, but in this other class, there was this girl, Joanne, and Joanne was a Braille reader and a very good student. And uh, I used to to assist the kids sometimes by going by and standing by their desks and uh, talking to them and, you know, saying, well, now, what what is the problem here? What are you doing talking quietly? Okay. Joanne Cusick was a very nice girl, but never did I believe when she was in fifth grade that she and I would be living in the same senior citizen residence as we do now. She lives in another part of Oakcrest, but she and I are in the same senior citizen residence, and she goes around telling everybody, I had this ball in the fifth grade. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. It's really cute. She was really cute. But I, you never would think that. But to, in answer to your question, Gary, I, I think a lot of times it was a change that they, the school needed. I mean, she wanted me to work with the elementary for a while, and then they had some needs with ungraded kids. And I actually, 
I don't remember minding it. I did mind leaving the little kids at first. I have to say that. But then there was your class and Joanne's class. And how could you like, how could you not like that? You know, so I was fine. And Miss Cox was always very supportive. That was our principal. She was a good lady. She was very, um, she was tough, but she was good. And she, she was, a, and I, so I didn't mind doing that. I really didn't. And I don't know why. Oh, and I loved it when I finally, near the end, they, they got me to teach Braille. I was so excited. I love to teach Braille. And that was the first time in a whole long year that I ever, I taught Braille as part of the classroom work, but I never taught Braille alone. And I loved it. Chris, this is Tabitha. I had a question for you. You talked about going to the school for the blind and then in high school, going to public school for part of the day. That's and right. I'm guessing that would have been in the early 50s, 1950s. Uh, if, yes, ma'am. Yes, 50, 51, 51, 52. So one of the things I, I teach a lot about is the history of disability rights and how education um, progressed and, and eventually we had IDEA and all of, you know, the legislation. Right. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about your experience of how things functioned for you in, in that school program and the attitudes? particularly about mainstreaming and having students with who are blind in, in the school, in the public school? Well, this was a rather uh, an unusual program, I think. It's Tabitha? Tabitha, uh-huh. Tabitha, it is. okay. I, I, I think this was a rather unusual experience because what they did was um, they sent us to um, Eastern High School and City College, which were uh, girls and boys high schools, uh, for the junior and senior years. You, you didn't take all of your subjects there. You took some of them. So it wasn't like being there all day, all year. It was You were there part of a day for those mm-hmm. two years. But I don't think we had as much difficulty because they had had a lot of blind students from our school in their school for the junior and senior years. So I can't I can't really give you a good example of that. I know I know um we had a couple of situations where the teachers just really didn't understand some needs or some 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 situations, but it I remember it only as being pretty good. But I think it's because it was a short time in the day. We weren't there the whole day. We didn't have to go to the lunchroom necessarily and stuff like that. And I think it was um, the school, they had been sending students to those schools 50, 40, at least 10, 15 or so years. Hmm. So that, that, that but, and we weren't there all day, you know, so it, I think that's different. I don't think I had a a totally normal public school experience. And I have to be fair and say that. Mm -hmm. Did you turn in your work? Did, were you expected to type your work? Were you, and and part of the reason I'm asking this is because we have so many people now who never had to be without, you know, computers or braille note takers or or those kind of things. Right. And so some of the mechanics of teaching and, and studying. Um, we were uh, we were expected to turn stuff in. Yes, use the typewriter. Yes, um, probably not a braille writer either, right? Mostly styluses. Uh, well, now Gary, I'm not that old. Uh, 
<laughs> well, I mean, I, did we had no, we did have braille writer, but I never took a braille writer. They're too heavy to carry. Uh, I just yeah. found my slate and stylus. Right. And I still use a slate and stylus occasionally. Now, I'm not, I mean, I'm pretty old-fashioned about some stuff. But in school, we always took a slate and stylus. Uh, yes, we were expected to turn our homework in, and it should be typed. So we typed it. Um, I Yeah, I, I think it, it was pretty good. But as I told you, the, 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 the school worked with them very closely. It wasn't like I was a blind kid who went to Eastern High School and I went as just a kid, do you know? Mm -hmm. Right, There was a lot of school support there, and I think that was, at that time, was very good. Now, I think they still do work with a school in the county, but I'm not sure. I haven't been haven't been in touch with a lot of the people at the school lately because, of course, we've had to quarantine and stuff, so I don't quite know what's happening now. So I'm sorry I can't be more, you know, uh, talking about the, the, the difficulties, but I think it was easier because mm -hmm. the school was a connection. They were doing it, uh, you know, for years and years, and so it was much easier. Uh, but yes, we had to turn in the homework. <laughs> yeah. One thing I was thinking of, Chris, when you were a teacher, in fact, until I graduated from high school, I don't think blind people could be certified in the state of Maryland to teach public school i i do not know about that because i did not get involved in teaching in public school except later and that was uh then i i think everything must have been all right because they had you know uh the, the teachers who uh, ran uh support rooms and and so forth and that's what i was i got certified in 1974 but i think back in the 60s you could not be certified by the state of maryland if you were blind uh, I I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised, but I do not know because I didn't. It, it didn't. Uh, you know, it didn't affect me particularly. <clears throat> do you want to take some questions from the floor? Sure. If if there's questions from the floor, anything's fine with me. Please watch the time because I I'm I'm you know I don't want to be. Okay. Well, it's forty uh, ten forty six right now, so we still. All have right, a that's bit of time. fine. Okay, that's fine. And we do we do have some uh, hands, and the first one is uh, Diane uh, Scousy. Uh You should be able to talk. Oh, and there we are. Hello. Okay. Um. Hi, I'm Diane from Michigan. And oh, well, hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm great. Now, I. Um, yeah. First of all, I think you are uh, a wonderful speaker. And, oh, bless your um, heart! Thank you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I I had some excellent teachers at both the public school I attended, and at the uh, school for the blind that okay. I attended. Um, I'm I'm sorry though that I never got to work with you. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, I could have really given you a rough time. Gary will tell you. Uh, I had my moments when they were, I really stepped on them. But I love it, loved it, love it now. I don't think I could do it now. I wonder well, how I, it would be now. Yeah, well, I think it would be a lot harder because I'm not sure that kids respect teachers the way we used to. But anyway. Um, oh, that's a very good Okay, I'm going to remember that. Thank you. I think that's a very good thought. 
Um, yeah. Unfortunately, anyway, I think you're right. <clears throat> yeah, well, I even felt that when I was in college. Um, I student taught in a public school, and uh -huh. I wound up never, uh, even though I was certified, I never wound up um, getting a job teaching. However, um, I did get a job where I took phone calls, and I thought a lot of those presented teaching opportunities. Good for you. And um, I also had occasions to teach, um, classroom teach and on-the-job uh, instruct, uh, you know, where, where I used to work. Oh, um, yes. Okay. I, I, I wondered, though, I, it used to concern me that sometimes people would try to put stuff over on me. And, uh, of course, you worked at a school for the blind, so maybe blind, I don't know if blind people maybe didn't, well, maybe they did try to put stuff over on you, so oh, I wondered if I you had so. any I stories. Um, not off the top of my head, no, but I will use you if I ever make another speech to some group, because you've made me think, and I'll put that down. I okay. That. Not that I will be asked to speak anywhere again, but if I am, um, I, I try to pick up points from people. Um, now, wait, you made a, a comment about something, though, that... I wanted to. Now it's gone. If I, I don't know. I'll get your name, Gary. Gary will know your name. I might have to call you or something. There's he something. He might not. He might not. But anyway, Di Diane um, Scalzi. I remember your name. Okay. All right. Uh, I, you, you're Diane, lucky. Thank you. I, I just, I'm sorry. I can't remember because you, you made a comment, and I, I feel like I wanted to respond to it. Not negatively. Everything was fine. But I, I can't remember the point. When you get my age, once in a while, little things slip. <laughs> yeah, I, I had mentioned about how, you know, how I, I wasn't sure that kids respected teachers the way we did. Oh, back I won't when I was... forget that. No, I won't <laughs> forget that. I think you're right. Um, can I, can, um, I, 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 I'm glad that um, no one did that to you because I found when I was working that the adults were the worst because they'd leave my class, you know, when I oh, didn't yes, or know go out or when you know, no, I don't know that I really had any problems like that. No, you're lucky. But then I, I haven't taught, you know, a, a, um, in a public high school where different things occur sometimes. And so, so I have to say, no, I think I was, I was sort of, uh, did not have anything like that. No. But that doesn't okay. mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I Thank you very much. Nice to talk with you. Okay. Uh, Mary Hayes, you are uh, now able to talk. Hello. Okay. First of all, this is, um, I go, I'm Mary Carla Hayes, but I go by Carla. And I know I'm in trouble when I get the whole thing. Mary Carla. But when I was growing oh. up. Yes, yes, I had some children like you. They always, oh, got, the man. They always got the whole name, too. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did, too, because, frankly, little Carla was a brat sometimes. But anyhow. But, well, just, that's all right. Honey, you know what, though? If yeah. you're a teacher now, that'll help you to understand what, why kids do some of the things they do. Yes, and so it does help. Um, I just want, I want to say something and ask something. First of all, um, 
Gary, you're a brave man bringing in somebody that was your teacher. And I know yeah, I did the brave. same thing. I know I did the same thing. I had Joyce T speak to us, um, AABT. And I was quaking in my boots because I was afraid. And I practically bribed her not to tell any little Carla stories. <laughs> that was my <laughs> biggest fear. Oh, but you're the kind we love to tell stories about because I know. the only thing is you don't use the name. That's right. Don't use person's name. That's all. And you try. You kind of uh, fix a little bit of the surroundings to the story, but you don't yes. change the meat of it. But people, people need to hear those things because it makes. Yes, they, I guess so. And I, but I, I made the mistake of um, putting the um, forbidden fruit on the plate when I was introducing her. I said, and there will be no little Carla stories. And of course, that's all they <laughs> yeah. asked for. Talk turkey, I right? Oh. Yeah. So anyhow, um, I want to thank Gary for, for, you know, um, bringing you and also for his opening remarks. And I just want to tell you, you are a remarkable woman. And I need to put some of your advice into practice, like um, uh, respecting rules is one of them, because I have some administrators, I teach foreign languages. And I teach, oh, bless you. I, wow. mm -hmm. I teach Spanish and French and German and sometimes Latin. And um, so, and I've taught in public school and I teach in a Christian school part-time now, and I have my own business. So I have a lot of homeschoolers and I won't get into what I do. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, it is exciting. But I just, and, and I, I, I got what you said about the public school and the, you know. Um, no, the residential. You know, that, the no, residential. I can't. I don't like. I well, had the best of both worlds because I went to um, residential school until the end of ninth grade. And then I graduated from public school and that prepared me because I was the only blind kid and there was no resource room. I was the first. Oh, to graduate. you had a good experience. And then same with college and that prepared me for college. But enough about me. Um, the, um, the question I. I need to ask. Okay, I've been. I'm getting up to the 40 year mark before long with teaching. Oh, bless you. Okay, and I've good. seen a lot of changes over the years, and since you've taught in so many environments and and so for so long, could you sort of talk about some of the changes that you saw, and could you sort of tell us when you you knew or if you ever knew when it was time to retire? I know some people say, "Why don't you retire, Carla?" I, that's the furthest thing from my mind because I love my job, but one of my colleagues told me, you will know when it's time. So I was going to ask well, you. Well, uh, yes, ma'am. When you, that, that colleague is correct. I really believe you will know. And, and it uh, hits you gently, but it's there and it, and it digs around and waits for you to respond. And yes, I think you will know when it's time to go. Um, experiences. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to really, uh, I'd like to really think about that. Um, there, there are a lot of different experiences that, uh, that I could talk about. Pe people are very interesting when you're blind. No, now that sounds strange, but that's just what I mean. When you're blind, like I'm blind, people are very interesting. There are some of their reactions are just totally marvelous, and some of their reactions are, I'd like to find a kind word because I don't mean to be mean. They're ridiculous. They're, some of the reactions are just not realistic because, you know, they haven't been around blind people and they haven't had time to think some things through. So I've had sometimes when I've had to explain stuff to people and when, when they would say something that was just way off base and um, it, it, 
it's really difficult, but that's part of our life. And that's also what we have a job with the children we teach to help them to handle some things like that. Uh, and, and you never know. And I think now, um, I really feel like things are worse. I'm not teaching now, but, and I'm not, and not out in it as much, but it seems to me people are more tense. Uh, requirements are, are put down on you quicker. Um, I, I don't know. I think everything is much more tense than it was before. And, and I could, could see that coming on. And I, I think um, sometimes I think there have to be re- regulations because we have to be responsible for what we do. But I think a lot of times they took away time for us to prepare our lessons and to think about our work. Uh, we, you, you, you know, there's, there's just so many rules, so many things to do. I don't know how else to explain it. I just, uh, I do feel the world is in a greater rush. Um, people are in a greater rush. Uh, and, and I think that um, we don't take time to think things through. Chris, one thing about your career, um, you saw, you must have seen some tremendous changes in that when you started, Maryland School for the Blind was pretty much a normal school for the blind. And by the time you finished, it was multiple handicapped. It was much fewer, quote unquote, normal blind students. Uh, that's definitely a difference, yes. So, and the School for the Blind served um, a wider variety of, of um, uh, disabilities in besides blindness yes and that was a great great difference and i imagine uh, that that might be involved with people who teach in public school too yeah and it's it's it you have to think differently and it takes a while to get used to it and uh, um, there's so many more extra things to do and that's the other thing we are very accountable for things and sometimes i used to get so aggravated because we had so much stuff to write down and record. And, and I felt like it took away from some of my time to just work with my kids. And I, I hope that nobody, at, well, no one's at the school that's in, was in charge is there now. I, I just, I really felt that. And I think it's happening everywhere. And I don't, I'm not sure I know how to overcome it because I don't have to, so I haven't thought about it. But I think after today I'll be thinking about it because it, it does interest me. Okay. Um, if you're ready, I have some more raised hands. Oh, thank you. And you, with whom am I talking? My name is Randy. I'm the host. This okay, morning. Randy. Hello. I know what I know what you're doing. I just didn't know who you are. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, De- uh, Deb Trevino, you should now be allowed uh, to uh, unmute and and there you go. Okay, uh, Miss Bond. This is Dave Trevino, Deb's other hand. Dave, for heaven's sake, how are you? And Just I want to. I got to write to you anyway. I want to talk to you about the books. Uh, I love them. I tell you, one of the blessings of my life is you were a teacher of mine, and you are far and away the best teacher that I've ever had. Well, uh, thank you, and I will put that away very in a very safe place. <laughs> I tell you, uh, it, you, you. I. I don't know how to say this. But, I, I know you're 87, but you. Yes, I am. <laughs> you certainly still have all your faculties about you. And the question I want to know the answer to is 
What started you down the teaching road in the first place? Okay, I can tell you a little bit. When I was five, I wanted to be a nurse. With all my heart, I wanted to be a nurse. And one day, my mom sat me down and she said, we have to talk about this nurse business because you will not be able to do it the way things are right now because you can't see well enough. Now, it sounds strange to think that I didn't realize I didn't see well enough. I think I knew I didn't see well enough, but I didn't think about nursing and what you had to do and what you had to see. Well, I was crushed. I was absolutely crushed that she had said I could not be a nurse. Then over the next four years, I don't know whether it was my teachers that were good or if it was just the urge to work with people and help people. And I loved kids. I really always have. But when I was 10, I decided that's what I wanted to do. And in the summer sometimes, I worked with my brother. He had some trouble with reading Braille at school. And so his teacher talked to me and asked me if I would read with him. I loved it. And he was, he was really, we really got along very well, and we had a wonderful time. And that experience, well, first, that, that the fact that I couldn't do the nursing, that was gone out of my mind. When I suddenly started, I like, I like kids, and I like to help people, and I'd like that. So I did that, and working with my brother helped me a lot, and, and that's how it got started. Wow. You know, I had a similar experience. I... I used to uh, listen to the old Captain Fogg cartoon show that came on on Sunday mornings on mm-hmm. 11 in Baltimore. And uh, I wanted to be a lighthouse keeper. Oh, and all right. And instead of crushing my hopes, he said, you know, David, little by little, lighthouses are being replaced by radar. And, oh. Well... Okay, well, then uh, I don't want to do that because, you know, I won't have very long. <laughs> All right, okay. But anyway. Well, it's, but but it, is, it is, he was honest with you, and my mom was honest with me, and I think we have to really be honest with kids. We have to work out how we're going to do it because sometimes it's the, maybe the ruination of a big, good dream, and so we have to kind of change the dream. But I think that that we do need to be honest with our kids because uh, I've seen a couple of situations where they get, get older and well, I'm going to be a so-and-so and I know good and well, they could not do that, but the parents had not discouraged it. And there hadn't, I don't, you know, so I just think we need to be honest with our children and we need to help our parents be honest with our children too. Our, you know, their parents be honest with them too. Well, thank you so much for taking my question. Good to see you, Mr. Dave. All right. Same here. All right. Uh, Ron Dementi, you should now be uh, able to talk. Chris, I just wanted to say thank you for this um, uh, conversation this morning. I um, was a teacher at the Maryland School for the Blind for eight years in 2007. And so how you talk about the experiences you have brought back memories um one of the things i enjoyed was working as a team to help students not only learn their academic skills but the expanded core curricula so those other skills that they would need Uh, one of the challenges i wanted to ask you about was 
that I found expectations for students were set kind of low, both by um, that uh, person I'm working with them and also parents. And I just wanted to know how did you have those, if you had those experiences and how did you address them? And again, thank you for this opportunity. Oh, one quick question. Um, while I was there, I don't know if you uh, also know that Pat Riley and Margaret Reese, I had opportunities to work with them, and I didn't know if you might have known them. Uh, did you hear Rhonda's questions that she asked? I heard, about, I heard Rhonda's question. I wanted her to know that Pat Riley, she mentioned Pat Riley, a teacher at the school. Pat Riley lives three doors down from us on our floor in this, in this continuing care community here. And she's fine. She's wonderful. <clears throat> I guess that's what she wanted to know. Uh, yeah, she wanted to know, too, um, how did you feel about, did you ever find this situation where the, at the expectations that people had for uh, the students kids, for were the lower kids. than what they should have been, maybe? Have been. Yes, I definitely do have found that in the past. And I think sometimes you have to talk to the with, not to necessarily, but talk with the parents um, about the, the, the situation that's concerning you, and also with some other teachers to see what they have found. And I think of sort of working, <clears throat> sort of working together um, uh, with with this is necessary. But you really need to put put a little time in it, and and uh, just see what other people think. And then encourage them that this is, they do better, they really have done better if I do so-and-so or if such happens. But you, you need to talk about it. If you think that's true, don't just let it stand there. Okay, I was asked to give a 10-minute warning. It is now uh, 11.06. Okay, well, that's I, whatever Gary says is, is fine. I'm boss. He's boss. No, he, this guy's boss of me. So <laughs> anyway, uh, he's well, just but, he's just saying we got ten more minutes. Is, is all right. What he's well, whatever you want, to, whatever you want to do is fine with me. Are there more hands? Uh, there are some hands. Okay, might as well keep going. And... But you all have to let me know, Gary, because okay, I'm, I'm we, we have uh, we have Susanna. Uh, Susanna, uh, and you, yep, there you go. Good morning. Um, Good morning, Susanna. Thank you you for bringing Chris. I have just been sitting here this whole hour and and sort of marveling at your wisdom. Oh, Lord, help us. Thank you. All my my wonderful teachers over the different years that I, and and remembering them. So it's been a nice, like, time of honor. Um, I also wanted to say, uh, I teach at a university. I teach undergrads. And I've, oh. had a lot of, I've had a lot of cases of students that um, pull one on you, right? They'll sneak out of class or they'll sneak in and sneak out. Or we've sadly had a few cheating cases. But, um, but again, the best way to handle it is one with boundaries, like making sure that the rules are clear, as you mentioned, right? And then also yes. humor. And I think a couple of the sense of humor ones was that I had um, – a class finally told me that the two students who happened to be on the golf team would come in and wait till I called attendance and then they would sneak out. 
And the class Ooh, got. Oh, and they told you. Okay. Yeah, they told the rest of the class told me, and and they because they got tired of them getting credit for you know leaving. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well, okay. They didn't think they had to tell me they were leaving, so I didn't think I had to tell them I was giving them a zero in attendance. <laughs> Very good, and I hope you did. <laughs> oh yes, I did. I, I'm pretty strict when it comes down to it. But I just I really wanted to thank you, and also. Um, a little more, just more seriously, your comments about the schools for the blind and the public schools. I was, my sister and I were both legally blind and are now totally blind. Um, mm -hmm. We went to public schools totally. My parents were absolutely adamant about it. Okay. Later in my life, my mother did, we had a long talk, probably the last long talk we had before she passed away. How it came up, I don't know, but it was one of those God sent things, I think. Um, yep, yep. And she sort of she said i said i've always felt different always and she said maybe if you'd have been in a school for the blind for part of the time that would be different and so i really think your comment about figuring it out for each kid is mm -hmm. so true, is so true and i just wanted to commend oh you. thank you so much i'm glad you you agree i i just i just we used to debate about the schools for the blind versus the public schools you know and talked with people about it. and i i came got that point on my paper and I thought you know I don't want to discuss this except in this way and that's what I think people should work together and what is the best program and sometimes you have to have the best of both worlds that's great yeah exactly. and I don't regret anything that that I did go through and I had some wonderful teachers those who had Good. some resources and those who had none and figured it out especially in junior high Isn't it fun when they figure it out they they were just an awesome team of, of you know making it happen you know fixing yeah, a balance for me to use and um, just it was just a wonderful um, experience and I that's the only school well, I probably would ever get money to willingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank anyway, you very thanks much. for your comments. <laughs> okay. Any more hands? We do. Um, and it is, it is um, just so you're aware, it's 11.10, so probably this will be the last up. one. This will be the yeah. last question. Okay. 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 So, Mary Hutt, you should now be able to unmute. Good morning. Good this morning. Is this has just been super. I have enjoyed it so much. Um, I have a teaching degree, but I, I was never, uh, I was never able to find a job teaching. But anyway, um, I was just wondering. I attended the School for the Blind in Louisiana from 1966 to 1979, and I feel that I got a wonderful education there. And what I, I noticed, and, and especially now, you know, when I became an adult, we had, when I started school there, we had quite a few blind teachers, and I always felt that they were so wonderful. I mean, some of my fondest memories was were when I had um, blind teachers, but I noticed as they retired or left, they were not replaced by blind teachers. They were replaced by sighted teachers, and I wondered if you notice the same thing at the Maryland School for the Blind, because I just thought that was so unfortunate that we, you know, we weren't having those role models anymore.
Um, we lose her. Has she has? Hang on. Well, I hate it that we've lost Chris. Um, she's, she's coming is she here? next if she does okay. uh, Star 6. Okay, so maybe, Chris, if you don't mind giving us sort of a short answer to that question, and, because I still have to give the CEC code and things like that. So Okay, okay. Uh, I, the only, I don't think I really have a, a, a short answer because I honestly don't know how they've done it to School for the Blind. Um, I guess... I, I really don't know, but my belief is that we do need teachers who do not see and are good teachers to be role models for our kids, period. That's it. Well, I, I totally agree with that. I had a rehab teacher when I was doing my master's say that, you know, blind role models can be such positive influencers. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And so I totally agree with that. And I want to thank you for presenting. It's been a delightful hour, um, a little over an hour of just learning a lot of wisdom and your experiences. And so I want to thank you so much and thank Gary for suggesting you as our speaker. Um, thank you very much. It, it has been really a treat. Um, and I also want to thank Carla Hayes, who has been our convention planning coordinator. Um, she, as always, has done a great job. And so I just want to give her another thank you. For those who need it, the closing CEC code, I think we're at a good place for this, is 47388. So again, that's 47388. So I hope you've enjoyed our program and will and we'll join us again for more programming today and um, on, I believe, Monday. I don't have the convention schedule memorized, but uh, again, it's been fun getting to know Chris. And, and, uh, and thank you very, very much. Oh, you are welcome. It's been great. I hope you'll join us sometime on our community calls that we have. We, we Ooh, thank welcome you. People to yeah, most definitely. Thank you.